Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Our third session here, as we've been talking about, one of the worst mistakes we as believers can make is the failure to move on. Our background for this passage, of course, is in the book of Numbers 13 and 14, where God had delivered the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. They'd been in Egypt 430 years, and He miraculously delivered them. Mighty signs and wonders, great miracles. As I've said before, a mega congregation didn't start in the 20th or 21st century. Scholars tell us this was somewhere between two, two and a half, three million people. God miraculously and mightily delivered them. Signs and wonders, mighty, mighty gifts of uh, the Egyptians were bestowed on them. So they left. Uh, delivered mightily by the hand of God, prosperous. They got out uh, after they had miraculously been led through the Red Sea. And God was ready for them to take the next right step. That next right step was what He'd promised hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to His servant Abraham, that I'm going to give you a land forever. A land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to bring you out to bring you in. A land of my highest and best. They were surprised when they found out after they'd gotten out of Egypt that um, it wasn't going to be automatic. That there was actually going to be some enemies of all things over there. Some challenges. There were places like walled cities and Jericho. There were all kinds of enemies like Amorites, Hittites, Jebusites, Canaanites, Hittites, who didn't want to give up this land of Canaan. And so there was set out a leader from all the 12 tribes of Israel to spy out this land. The Word tells us in Numbers 13 that they came back for a meeting and all the people gathered around to listen to what their leaders have said. You better be careful what leadership you're sitting under. It makes a difference. And the leader said, this is a great land. It's no doubt about it. It flows with milk and honey. It's prosperous. It's They brought back a a symbol of the prosperity of that land. A a, a cluster of grapes had to be brought between two men on a pole. They hadn't seen anything like that in Egypt. They'd been making bricks for the Egyptian pharaohs. But, they said, 
We can't have it because of the Amorites, Hittites, Canaanites, Jebusites. We, we can't have it. The, the land is thickly populated. There's walled cities. There are armies. We can't have it. There's only one problem with that. For hundreds and hundreds of years, the faithful leadership of Israel said, Thus saith the Lord, this is the land that is yours forever. Forever. And uh, only two out of the twelve said, let's go now, it's ours. The others became captured with what they saw and heard and felt. How many of you know that your circumstances can get so overwhelming that you will begin to believe the report of your circumstances? You will you'll have the tendency to get stuck in the desert of your own circumstances instead of saying, wait, God said, this is who I am. This is what I can do. This is what I will have. And death begins to happen. Delay begins to happen. Unbelief intensifies. Disappointment intensifies. It's not good. And we see here in Hebrews 3 a warning for those of us on this side, this side of the cross, the resurrection, Pentecost, the coming of the Spirit. Beware, verse 12, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you, you members of the new covenant church, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, drifting away from the God who is life, who is right here, right now, who's more than enough for any of your needs. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you become hardened. We found out that the, the, we studied the etymology of that word hardened, and it means to become stubborn and unwilling to move forward. It means to become so overwhelmed with circumstances, whether it's your own comfort, whether it's some crisis, whether it's pain, whether it's grief, whether it's longing for what used to be, as was the case of these believers, that you become unwilling to move. You become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. How many of you know that sin is rooted in unbelief? If you, if you could ask the Lord, what's your definition of sin? He'd say it's a failure to believe me. He wouldn't name a big long list, although a lot of stuff falls, comes after unbelief. But you remember right from the very beginning in the garden, it was unbelief that opened the door for all the destruction and death. An evil heart of unbelief. So we found out in, in session one that the danger was a, t 
to get stuck, an, an unwillingness to move forward and to pursue more of more intimacy with our Lord, to fail, the failure to believe. We found out in session one that the people defined their enemies wrong. They thought it was those human beings out there. I see an incredible danger in the, in the church of Jesus Christ today that somehow people are beginning because of all that they hear and see and feel that bothers them. They, they tend to believe that the problem is some political figure or some political party or, or, or anything but unbelief. If we identify the wrong enemy, we're going to fail to take that which God says is his highest and best for us. We've lost our focus as a body and believed, identified the wrong enemies. The enemies are in, internal. There's nothing that can't be changed by a church that begins to focus on and worship and act like the children of God. Every great movement in the body of Christ, even in our nation, has been birthed and sustained by mighty moving of the Spirit of God in the lives of His children. Begins on the inside. We found out that focusing on the wrong enemies, staying under the wrong leadership, being obsessed with comfort, there, there's all kind of things that lead to a stubborn unwillingness to move hard, and God says it's unbelief and it's evil. We found out last time that there is a place of rest for the children of God. In chapter 4, we found out that rest and movement are, are not opposites. We're not to be passive and to do nothing. But there is a place of internal rest for the people of God, and we defined that last week. Go back and listen uh, online if you choose to. But the, the definition of rest is having something settled on the inside before you ever see it settled on the outside. You know it because God told you before you ever saw it. You know it before you saw it. You know that what you're going through has already been seen, has already been filtered through the hands and fingers of your God. You know that what you're going through has already been settled, that God has already decided and He has already in His own mind and heart established the way forward for you. Regardless of the pain that you feel now, it's already settled. He has already, he has already brought you through. 
You just don't see it or feel it yet. It's rest. It's rest in a settled result. I gave you an example out of my own life, profound example about that last week. But we also concluded with this mighty, mighty passage in chapter 4 in verse 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. How are you going to enter into that rest? It comes through the breaking off of unbelief and the, and, and the receiving of faith. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So let me ask you today as I ask myself, what has God said about you? How he feels about you, what he has for you, what he desires for you. What has he said about the situations that you have been brought through or are going through? What has he said about that? that you're having a hard time believing. And if you're having a hard time believing it, why is that? Is it because of what you feel today? Is it because of what you see today? Those are friends of unbelief. Let us, be let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, to settle it before God. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of dis disobedience. What was their example of disobedience? They believed that their issue was the giants in the land. All the obstacles they would never get through. That kept them from taking the next right step of God's plan for them. How many of you know you can obey wounded? You can obey with pain. In fact, if you are obeying in pain, you are going to have a more close, more intimate relationship with Jesus because he knows all about that. And verse 12 says, for the word of God, hallelujah, the word of God, Pastor Jeremiah and I were talking today, as long as we are in a place of leadership, the Word of God will have a place of preeminence. We're not out here to try to make people feel good or to be politically correct. The Word of God has to have preeminence. I've had people over the years want me to allow them and their precious people, and I love them, to bring political candidates into this pulpit. No! I don't care what side. But pastor, we need to, the word of God is what's going to come out of this pulpit as long as I'm breathing. Now the preeminence. The word of God is alive and full of power. It's alive and full of power. Remember what Jesus said, John 6, 63? The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Spirit and life. And sharper than, watch this, 
The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Now, don't just skip over that. Do you know the Word of God is a spiritual force, and it can get on the inside of us and show us the difference between our soul and our spirit. How many of you know, now listen, your soul and your spirit are inseparable. But your soul and your spirit are distinguishable. They have a different function. You can't separate them. Your soul and your spirit is what's going to live forever. The new you that's going to have a brand new body in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Your soul and your spirit are inseparable, but they are distinguishable. They have a different function. Your spirit is that part of you that when you were physically born, it was, it was there, but it wasn't alive. The Bible said you had to be born again. Why would you have to be born again? Because your spirit was dead. The Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sin. When God's grace was received by faith, the Holy Spirit came into our human spirit, and it became alive and functioning as it was designed to be from the beginning. Your, your, your spirit man was reborn because the very Spirit of God was placed on the inside of you. But the Spirit of God on the inside of me and you have some work to do. Why is that? Listen now. Why is that? Because we have a soul also. Suke in the Greek. In biblical language, it means your mind, your will, your volition, and your emotions. And they all work together. But the Bible says we need to walk under the control of the Spirit. But you see, the main player in our soul is our mind, not our brain. Your brain is part of your physical body. They're doing surgery on those down at UAB today. Your brain's a part of your physical body. Your mind is part of that spiritual part of you. What does it do, Pastor? It receives and processes information. It's a master computer. Now, if you thought you were going to come here and hear some elementary stuff today, you're going to be disappointed. Come on now. Your spirit is reborn, but your soul has a mind, will, and emotions, and it's our mind that processes all this information. Well, where is our mind getting information from? Well, it gets information from our brain, our human body. What we see, what we hear, what we feel, what... You get it? The senses. It's getting all kind of information. What we read, what we look at, what we listen to is being processed by your mind. It comes through your brain, but it gets processed by your mind. Well, guess what? When you begin to get this information, you not only get it from your physical body, your brain, and your senses, the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you something too. The Spirit of God speaks. 
Jesus said when he comes, he will tell you things. He'll tell you things. He'll speak to you. The Holy Spirit is able to speak to your, that part of your soul, your mind. How many of you know, unfortunately, <clears throat> that your old flesh, that is in, my, in me and you, the flesh is old patterns of thinking, speaking, and behaving. That just because we're born again, they didn't go away. Their power was broken at the cross, but that power, that authority has to be executed through something called your will. And that incredible processor of information, that mind, receives information from our old flesh, old patterns. I don't want to do that. They always say, they always do that. I don't like them. I don't want to go there. I'm not doing that. It's okay for me to hold anger against him. You don't know what he did. So guess what? <clears throat> our old flesh is given information to our mind, our body, our old flesh. And the more we listen to the wrong information in our mind, guess what? And this is going to spook some of you. The devil can speak to your mind too. Yeah, he can. And the devil is a forecaster of disaster. You, you know what I'm talking about? God has not given us a spirit of fear. What do you think the spirit, who do you think the spirit of fear's master is? It's the evil one. So our mind is getting this information from our body, our brain, our flesh, even the devil, if we allow the wrong information to stay in there. Thank God for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But I got some good news for you. The Word of God is full of life and power. And the Word of God has dominion and authority over all those negative things that can come in and try to hold your mind hostage. The Word of God. No wonder the Word of God is essential. No wonder it's essential for us to meditate on, to receive, to recite, to rehearse, and to obey. The Word of God has authority. But how many of you also know that whatever stays on our mind triggers things in our emotions, like anger, like fear? But you know what? If the Word of God is the predominant authority in our mind, the Word of God can promote joy and peace. I said peace that passes all understanding. And joy and hope and encouragement and self-discipline. And all of these things make contributions to our volition what we choose to do. The Word of God is full of life and power. Let's make a decision. Let's ask the Lord to give us a greater appetite for the Word of God. Not just some 
ink on a page, but to open our eyes to God has breathed this word that he spoke through holy men and women of God that we are to ingest this word and ask the Spirit of God to bring it to life on the inside of us. So the information has to be the right information for us to succeed. So what does that leave for us to do? Turn back with me to Romans 12, and I want to show you something that maybe you've seen this passage before, but maybe not in the context of what we've been talking about here about our soul and how it operates. Romans 12, 2, a very powerful and familiar passage of Scripture. Do not be conformed to this world. How many of you know the Word of God says in 1 John 5 that the whole world lies under the influence of the evil one? Political, educational, entertainment, the systems of this world has the influence of the evil one in it. Do not be conformed to that way of thinking, to that system of believing and behaving. Don't be conformed to it, but be, and the word there means be being transformed. Do you remember that in, I don't know, middle school science? Ever heard the word metaphor, metamorphosis? How a caterpillar turns into a butterfly? That's the Greek word right there. Don't be conformed to this world, but be being transformed. Just like that old, ugly, sticky caterpillar that's good for nothing but fish bait goes under the process of metamorphosis, changing into that beautiful creature that God has created. How does that happen? Here's, God says this is how it happens. By the renewing of your mind. The word renewing there in the Greek means renovation. You ever renovated anything? <laughs> I'm looking over there. I don't know what came over Dean and me a few years ago. Oh, Jesus. Moving out of Vestavia after all those years and deciding that we were going to move to a small town on the river and just going into a 65-year-old house. If you're believing that the Lord is telling you to do that, you may want to speak to us. You may want to let us pray for you. We know what renovation is. You have to tear old things out and rebuild new things. That's what God's talking about right here. Don't be conformed to this world, but be under the process of being transformed by the renovation of your mind. How does your mind tear out old things like old memories? Some of y'all have old memories that are still talking to you. And you know what they're doing? They're, they're taking you back to places and things that you failed in. And... <clears throat> That old 
room in the house that is your mind is saying, you're never going to succeed. You're always going to go back. And, and it's holding you back. It's, it's saying that this is the definition of you. Look at that failed marriage. Look at that failed ministry. Look at that failed work job. Look at that failed business. Look at that, look, look at that, look at that, look at that. You're a failure as a parent. You're a failure as a partner. You're a and over and over and over and over and over again, there's stuff in your mind that's got to be renovated. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't care who you are or where you've been, the grace of God is bigger than any mistake you've ever made. Don't let the failures and memories of the past come back and, and, and say to you, this is what defines you. You're never going to have this house renovated. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. And you need to stomp that inner foot of yours and say by the grace of God, I will not be defined by what I used to do, what I used to be, how I used to think. I'm going to be renovated by the renewing of my mind. You are not a product of past failures. You're a product of the grace of God. Living proof that you've come boldly before the throne of grace and received mercy and found grace. What is it that the renewing of your mind does? It proves that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You're able to take the next right step and obey the will of God. By the Spirit of God's enablement, you reestablish the Word of God as final authority over your mind. You begin to renovate those old ways of thinking, speaking, and behaving that bring all kinds of emotions. And you say to the Lord, only you're going to define who I am in your sight. Don't let something that happened in your life define who you are in God's sight. He loves you. He treasures you. You're his daughter. You're a son. But pastor, this and this and this and this and this has gone on in my life. And it is, you have got to take a stand in, the, in your inner will and say from this day forward, my, the definition of what my father thinks about me is the only definition that I'll believe. How do I do that? How do I have the tools to renovate my mind? Jesus said it, John 17, 17, sanctify them. Saint, and this, I pray this prayer over you every day as, as partners in this ministry. Sanctify us in the truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. Well, Pastor, I'm hearing all kind of things that are not lining up with the Word. Then decide what is the truth to you. Thy Word is truth. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 gives us some wonderful information. What it says, the weapons, listen, 
the weapons, the tools of our warfare. And the wars in your mind, that's where the major warfare is. It's right there in your mind. That's where the battlefield for you is. In that great processor that God has equipped you with, the battlefield is in your mind. Your spirit is secure. That's where the Holy Spirit lives. But that battle is in your mind. Make a firm decision of your will that the Word of God, His truth, will be that which defines truth to you. The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for the casting down of strongholds. What's a stronghold? You've heard that biblical term before. A stronghold is a collection of thoughts that raise up against the truth. They fight the renovation process. Those rooms in the house of your soul are saying, don't come in here, spirit of truth. I'm holding on to this. They're memories of past failures and hurts and pains, things you don't understand, things that still break your heart. Open the door to the spirit of truth. Let the let the comforter minister to you. Let the encourager tell you the truth. Let he who is willing and able to give you a new start wash your past clean from all guilt and shame. Spirit of truth. Spirit of truth. Stop believing the lie that somehow God is sitting up there recounting all your sins every day. They've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, and that's enough. That's enough. The renovation, the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for the tearing down of strongholds, coming against imaginations and every, everything in the realm of our mind that's raised up against the intimate knowledge of our Lord can be torn down by the weapons of our warfare. What are those weapons? The Word of God, full of life and power. Received, recited, believed, acted on. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God who lives in you. Your comforter, your friend, your counselor, your encourager, the giver of gifts, your teacher, your guide. The Spirit of God, the Word of God. God's also given you a gift, and you know what that is? He never designed for you to stay in a dark place and hide and try to succeed on your own. God has already raised up a small core of support to help you succeed. Don't stay out there in the darkness. Get involved with that small core of those who God's already called on to encourage you and help you succeed at what he's called you to do. If you stay isolated and in darkness, you will fail. You become very attractive to the devil when you isolate. Accountability. Accountability. Now, you make up your own mind, but if I were you, I would never submit to leadership that doesn't have any accountability. It's up to you. I wouldn't do it. 
accountability. Walk in it. You know what that means? Yeah, it means you're going to have to be transparent with some people and tell them, man, I, I need some help. Do you know something called pride will rise up in you and say, you know, you don't, uh, you don't, you don't need that. You can do this. Or you sure don't need to bother him or her or that. Something called pride will do that. It'll keep you isolated and you become attractive to the evil one. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, accountability, transparency, a, a small inner circle, a network of somebody to at least know that they are praying for you. But how many of you know you need to let them know what the issues are if you have in, in allowed them to be your your secret prayer partner? You, you need to understand this, that pastors, prophets, wonderful men and women of God are not mind readers. Thank you, Lord. Tearing down strongholds, the Word, the Spirit, other believers. You can do this, but you have to put your will in action right now. You need to say, Lord, I'm making a commitment right now that I want my mind to be renewed so that I may walk in that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Wouldn't you you want to walk in the perfect will of God? The Bible tells us right here how to do it, to present our body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable by the renewing, the renovation of our mind. God said to Joshua when he gave him an incredible, seemingly impossible assignment to lead millions of people finally into that land that they had rebelled against the voice of God 40 years before. He said, well, Moses, my servant, is gone. Why did God tell Joshua that? Because Joshua was still probably had the tendency to depend on somebody who wasn't there anymore. How many of you know it's up to you now? You are where you are, and it's up to you to hear what God said to Joshua. Joshua wanted to know, how in the world am I ever going to do this? This is overwhelming. God said this to Joshua, don't let the word of God depart from your mouth. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Meditate on it day and night, and then be careful to do it, and then you will prosper and succeed in that which I have called you to do. You've got an assignment right now that's overwhelming. It's bigger than you are. Yes, it is. Invest in the Word of God. Let the Word of God define the truth to you. Don't let anybody talk you out of what the Word of God says. Fellowship with the Spirit of God in worship and prayer and obedience. Ask God to identify a small inner circle of somebody you can trust and that you can expose and be transparent with and call out for prayer and help. 
And always know this, that there is a great high priest. Remember what we read last time, Hebrews 4, 13 to 16. There is a great high priest, our Lord Jesus, who is touched with your own weaknesses, your own hurts and pains. Yet he was without sin, but he's inviting you right now to come boldly before his throne that you may receive mercy, compassion, and grace, favor, and ability to help you in your time of need. What is your time of need? You have to do with relationships or finances or health. Whatever it is, there's a throne of grace right there with the high priest of heaven, your high priest, who is praying for you and releasing blessings to you and for you and through you. It's up to you to believe it and to act on it. I want you to bow your heads with me. Thank you for the word of God today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that by your spirit, you'll call us to the renovation of our minds, that we would recognize that that part of our soul, our mind, that great processor of information needs to be guided and purified by the Word and the Spirit of God. Forgive us somehow for listening so much to this world that we've believed the wrong thing. That we've allowed our emotions to be stirred by things that only you can fix. May we focus more, Lord, of our efforts, our energy, on the truth of the Word of God, written and spoken, written in that Holy Word of God, spoken by the Holy Spirit in our inner man. Forgive me, Lord, for any room of unbelief in my soul. Expose it by your Spirit. Bear witness of the truth that sheds light on any darkness that brings you glory by that light. Pray for all of those who've heard the word today. I know the evil one would love to steal it. You said in Mark 4 that he comes immediately to steal the word. I declare in Jesus' name that this word will go forth, that it will enter the very spirit and soul of those who listen, and that it will take root and bear fruit mightily the glory of Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood, His righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame 
but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. The older I get in the Lord, the more I realize that so many wonderful songs of the faith have such incredible depth and truth to them. Would you stand with me and let's sing this chorus together. On Christ the solid rock I stand. darkness seems to hide his face when darkness seems to hide I rest face, in his unchanging I place. rest on his unchanging in every high and stormy day in every high and stormy my anchor holds my anchor holds within the veil within the Hallelujah. veil on Christ the solid rock Life can run over you, but there's an anchor that will not be moved. I want you to know I pray for you every day. We don't meet on the last Sunday of the month, but I look forward to seeing you in two weeks. Go with God. He's going with you. God bless you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.